Hello and welcome to another episode of the St. George's Rod and Staff, the official podcast of the Church of St. George the Martyr in Kales River, alongside the chapelries of St. Mark and St. Monica's. I am Lindsay Shooters, your host on this continued exploration of faith during a time of crisis, and I'm joined as always by the Archdeacon Reverend Rodney Whiteman. How are you doing, sir? Hi, Lindsay. Um, I'm doing okay. Okay, I, I had a little bit of a procedure yesterday on my left foot. There was a little bit of a bump there that the doctors said I should remove. Um, and um, I'm needing to sort of sit up with the leg a little bit. Been busy with the marriage this afternoon, which was a wonderful event in the beautiful, beautiful Paul area mm. at a place called Bel Air um, Pavilion. And um, the gorgeous drive, you know, back to Cape Town, just seeing the beautiful mountain. But at the same time, aware that the foot was also speaking back to me because I had stood for the duration of the service. And then I had to come and lie down and get a bit of rest on the leg. But other than that, doing very, very well. Um, I'm probably now um, having my daughter's Having been vaccinated and going through some of the some of the the, the bumps after effects um, early on, the queue is what we have to consider because they waited in the queue for a long time. And mm. I don't know when I, I couldn't have told you this. When they got home, they said to me that they were standing, and then a doctor came to say he thinks the doctors should be in line first. Mm. Um, but. But uh, be that as it may, um, this is not about being first and last. This is about ensuring that everybody has the opportunity to mm. be vaccinated and um, and your time will come. When it comes, it comes. You know, just be diligent and vigilant. And I'm also grateful that, you know, I was at the surgery where they, where they work and um, even though they had all been vaccinated there, they have they masked. They were still masking, so so we'll still get to that part of the debate um, hmm. that America's, uh, you know, at the moment arguing about. But otherwise, all well, Lindsay. Thanks. I trust the same for you and your family. Uh, yes, um, nothing as um, entertaining. <laughs> no, <I'm>, although, <laughs> sorry to make light of you. Foot situation. Luckily, the, the the services are shorter now. So imagine if you had to have the foot situation and had to administer a a wedding in the time before COVID. <laughs> you can imagine. Yes, it would have had. Yeah, it would have been a long affair. And um, but even though it was shorter, we 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 didn't do any shortcuts to the service. So mm. we were able to, you know put everything in there that we normally put, except of, except, of course, people are not singing at the moment. We're just listening to music. Yeah. And by the way, the music is very good. So very well worked out mixture of music that they played. Awesome. Um, uh, my wedding song actually plays at the beginning of this podcast. Um, yes, you least, can tell me. Yeah. It was one of the things. It's a very special song in, in my family. It is Pentecost. The tongues of flame, the wind, the all of that stuff. We will get into it. Um, if you could please call us together with the collective prayer. Good morning, I greet you in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Welcome to the podcast and for joining us. We do we will appreciate it if you all want feedback. Um, we hope it's it is helpful to you as it's helpful to both Lindsay and myself. I'm speaking out of my turn when I say that. But after every time we meet, Lindsay and I are on a good note about what we've been able to achieve by the grace of God. So I greet you in these words, and they will be on the screen, so I'm only going to say the words that the leader of worship would say, and the emboldened ones would be for you to say, and Lindsay will put that on the screen. Come, holy advocate, come. Come, spirit of truth. Come and help us to glorify God. God is with you. And so we pray together the call for, uh, oh, it is also on the screen, and would you pray with God? With wind from heaven and tongues of flame, you poured out your spirit on the disciples. 
Set our hearts on fire with joy and power and send us out as witnesses to the wonder of your truth who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. The reading is Acts 2 verses 1 to 21. It's a pretty long one, so I'll condense it to what I believe is the most important talking point. So it starts with, when the day of Pentecost came, all the believers were gathered together in one place. Suddenly there was a noise from the sky, which sounded like a strong wind blowing, and it filled the house, the whole house where they were sitting. Then they saw what looked like tongues of fire which spread across each person. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to talk in other languages as the Spirit enabled them to speak. There were Jews living in Jerusalem, religious people who had, there were Jews, yeah, there were Jews living in Jerusalem, religious people who had come from every country in the world. When they heard this noise, a large crowd gathered. They were all excited because all of them heard the believers talking in their own languages. In amazement and wonder, they exclaimed, these people who are talking like this are Galileans. How is it then that all of us hear them speaking in our own native languages? We are from Parthia, Media, Elam, Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, from Pontus and Asia, from Phrygia, <laughs> and and from Egypt and regions of Libya near Cyrene. So, Father, firstly, I didn't know that it was possible to convert to Judaism. I really did not know that. I was today old when I found out that there is a progressive Jew movement that welcomes everybody and even makes women rabbis which is pretty crazy. So my thinking is, right, if there was already this progressive Judaism movement happening, why would yeah. we then need Christianity? I didn't hear you. Um, why would we need Christianity? Yeah, if the Jews were already quite progressive and yeah. letting people convert. I know there, there is a word that talks about proselytization of, the, of people who were not Jewish. Hmm. Um, which takes away the idea that you could only be used by birth into the Israelite family. And when you proselyze, you proselyze them not on the lines of blood, but on the lines of conversion, mm. if they are converted. So if people choose to be converted to a particular faith, that faith will have to either have had an evangelistic outreach because almost every faith has a living public presence mm. and voice, mm -hmm. um, not just from the sanctuaries and pulpits, but through the medium of their members who seek to live the faith and the rule of life that that faith teaches. So because it would seem as if people journeyed and flocked to Jerusalem, um, Rome was in charge, so this made passage there to, to what's his name in terms of economics and tourism, whatever it is they mm. had. But there was a strong Jewish presence in Jerusalem. And so the, there was a conversion process where people were um, worshipped in the, in the holy place. It would seem as if very interestingly that um, when the faith started uh, all around Jerusalem, like with, with Muslims with Mecca, that is sort of the home of the faith. Mm. And where you, mm -hmm. when you move away, there is still this longing, why another faith? Why did God have to bring in 
something more than what Judaism could offer. What was it that Judaism or that the people who were the covenant people failed to do? And at this point, something that dynamic happens to those who had come to believe in Jesus, mm. those who had heard his call mm. to follow, those who had been um, who had been formed anew by his teaching, those had been inspired by his presence, um, and now they too were there mm. in Jerusalem. They hadn't at that stage forgone their Judaistic, Judaic. Um, faith um, again we need to ask ourselves where do we take it from but the first thing in God this was God's faith it was God's covenant it was not ours and so God comes to do something and through Jesus brings about what he wanted Israel to be in the first place destroy the law and the prophets have come to fulfill them so inevitable in here is the one who, from whom the new root of Jesse is being brought, mm. um, the root of David. And it's not there for to end Judaism as such, but to take from it and to take it further along the way to where it should be. And the way... I'm going to be, I hope I'm not going to be too radical when I say, from a Christian perspective, God perfected what it meant to be God's people in the person of Jesus. Mm. And so we are found talking about this in our prayers when we pray. We pray to God in the name of Jesus, in the power of the Spirit. He is the one who mediates between God and us. He's the one who brings us to God. Paul says, even interceding at the right-hand side of God. So, so in something beautiful had those who were covenanted with God been faithful to it. Uh, would, they be, would, have, would there have been need of Judaism now? What did not seem to come with the way the law was being taught was grace. The mm. law was about punishment and rejection. As the people thought, it was also nationalized, which meant it excluded people. Mm. So what Jesus comes to show in, it, in fulfilling the law and the prophets was this was not how God wanted this to be God wanted Israel to be God's priesthood, bringing others to God. That's the role of the priests, helping others find access to God mm. um, through their priestly and pastoral role and their teaching. But that all fell away because Israel could only sadly nationalize this faith. And therefore, it became an exclusive one. Well, others found it interesting and wanted to find their way to God through the Jewish religion. And so they, they, so they went through the process of proselytization, um, a conversion to the Jewish faith. Mm. Of course, answers. Um, <laughs> my... My only question there would be, uh, do the adults then need to be circumcised? But <laughs> after that, um... I, I think if you go if you go further in the Acts of the Apostles, I, I think it's around verse 15, but it could be much more early on when the Holy Spirit. And I think we dealt with this chapter when the Holy Spirit came upon uh, the Gentiles, mm. because the question was asked now that they've received the Holy Spirit, should we not baptize? And then they had to go back to the leaders in, in Acts. Mm. Uh, it says they went back to Jerusalem. And in Jerusalem, where they had to debate, if you want to be a, a Christian, must you first become a Jew? 
And mm. if you must first become a Jew, does it mean you have to do what the Jews did and with circumcision, which was argued, be a main part of this? And after much discussion, uh, they had to go away and tell people what it was. So they agreed that if the Holy Spirit came upon these people before they were baptized, then what is the Holy Spirit telling us in terms of how we want to be ministering to people when we preach the gospel? And in the preaching of the gospel, the Holy, Holy Spirit is present, working with people, working in the hearts of people. And how how the how the spirit moves? I mean, that was a curveball that the, that these uh, ministers didn't have a clue of, mm. but had to learn. Mm. And then at the end of the time, though the, the these Gentiles were told to let go of the idols and you know all their way of life, they did not have to become a Jew to become a Christian and a follower of Jesus. And so that beautiful phrase that sticks out in Acts of the Apostles, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us and that's what the decision that they had made had come to so no they didn't need to become jews awesome so like pentecost is amazing because it's it illustrates the situation that the apostles were in right now they were founding an entire new religion and like acts allows us a window into that kind of world and then from that moment, they have to then spread it to many people. So then a lot of the crowds were like saying, no, but these people are drunk. And then Peter gets up and he's like, fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, listen to me and let me tell you what this means. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It is only nine o'clock in the morning. Instead, this is what the prophet Joel spoke about. And this is what the prophet Joel said. This is what I will do in the last days, God says. Um, I'll just compress it a little bit and pull down. So then it's, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will proclaim my message. I will perform miracles in the sky above and wonders on the earth below. There will be blood, fire and thick smoke. The sun will be darkened and the moon will turn red as blood before the great and glorious day of the Lord comes. And then whoever calls out to the Lord for help will be saved. So I did skip past a couple of things there with people having dreams and visions and all those things. But in my mind, I'm just trying to drink a little bit of the Kool-Aid here to say that Joel did prophesy and was <laughs> spoken to. So if you interpret it that the Spirit will be poured out in the last days, we are then currently living in the last days because everybody is able to become Christian the spirit was poured out in Pentecost, on Pentecost. Um, we are performing miracles in the skies above on a regular basis, landing stuff on Mars. We are performing wonders on the earth below, like self-driving cars, all amazing things. There's blood, there's fire, there's thick smoke. That makes the sun go dark and the moon turn red. We've all seen those in the last couple of years, actually, which is amazing. So then, are we living in the end times, and should we consider the second coming to have already happened? If we look at verse 10, and, and, and you know, the question you raise here is a very controversial one. It says, whatever it says is before the great and glorious day of the Lord comes. It speaks of a day. Then you go just prior and in between the last day in verse 17 and in verse 18, in those days. Now, we are caught up in the days in which the spirit is poured out on everyone. In one sense, every day is the last day. Until the next day comes. But there may there, there will be a special, it's great and glorious, says St. Luke. And day is translated with a capital D. Mm. As if to make this very, very special day. Now, 
when we celebrate the Eucharist, we mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. In other words, Jesus, through the incarnation, is always the coming God, the God with us, God who became flesh to dwell amongst us. So we have already experienced a revelation of his presence. When we say we're living in the last days, it's because the understanding would be, and this is this is where we have to think so deeply, when in the latter part of the New Testament, one of the writers said, one day in the sight of the Lord is like a thousand years, and a thousand years like one day. So what this this day, how should it be interpreted? Does lost mean lost and final? And therefore you say, well, if we're living in the last days, did this great and glorious day of the Lord come? No. God is still at work until he finally declares that whatever may be lost will be lost. Jesus said, not even the son of man knows. However, the prophet does say they will be lost. And he says it's not last day. It says last days. So in terms of God's eternity, um, we have no clue. But would it be, would, they, would there be evidence leading up to it? Like I will pour out my spirit on everyone and they will do wonderful things. Even the skies will turn black and so on. But this all happens before the great and glorious day that the Lord comes. Would those of us who have lived up until now have seen this great and glorious day? Would we have described such a day? Would there be more on this day? We actually him coming. We sing that song, which is, I suppose, written from the perspective of the, the, the message in Revelation. I say, Komopibolka, Elke Ur Salom Sin. Elke Tri Salmud Beif. And Elke Tong Salmud Fuklar. So, Will the whole world, as it were, stand to attention? Because something different is happening. Like um, the, 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 there will be blood, fire, and thick smoke. Now, what, what does blood mean? Because blood associates itself with violence. Fire with destruction. And thick smoke, which means something is burning. Then the, the sun will be darkened experience the darkened sun in a way we have because mm. night comes our way but the sun is still shining and the moon now of course there's been a whole thing written about red blood the moon becoming red as blood and uh, people prophesy from wherever there must be four blood moons they call it blood moons in fact that's mm. what they call it there's a whole book written about it and probably many sermons now what are we meant to preach about this? How are we meant to preach about a prophet that says, this is what I will do, that God says through the voice of the prophet, this is what I will do in the last days. Mm -hmm. God speaks of the mm -hmm. last days. You and I know nothing about those days. But God is active. God is active through God's spirit. God is active in the lives of people, young and old. God is active in visions, dreams, and messages. God is active in creation. But then we still haven't seen the great and glorious. So the work of the Spirit will be the work that continues to go in preparation for us for this day of the Lord, the Lord's coming. So in my view, I, in my own experiences, cannot say that I have seen this great and glorious day.
The problem with with proclaiming it is often our, our emphasis lies on the last days, not so much on what I will do, says the Lord. Mm. God's not just active in the last days. God is always active. But we love the words the last days because, you see, we can jack up fear. Because we want to proselytize as many people and tick them off and saying to God, you see how many souls I have won for you. But we can't win souls for God. People respond, but the Holy Spirit is actively working in the hearts and minds of women and men who listen to the message we are obediently meant to proclaim. Because if we look at the collect, it says there in the collect, set our hearts on fire with joy and power and send us out as witnesses to the wonder of your love. How many people who preach about the last days actually speak about the love, the wonder of God's love? What they refer to the last days is that if you know for these days, hellfire is waiting for you. The blood moon is a, is a sign of the coming, is the possibility that there isn't going to be a time when the blood moons would have arrived and there will be a hiatus before Jesus does come again. However, Christ has died, Christ was raised, Christ will come again. Is he coming in the Eucharistic prayer? He comes and he tells us to remember me. You take the bread, blessed and thanked. This is my body. Take the cup with blood, with wine in it, and says, "This is my blood, consecrated in the communion." I'm coming to you. And as one person said today, it's not just a celebration of the death of our Lord, but also of his resurrection and the life we are called to live. And it's in that life that maybe, hopefully, pray, we pray that the day will not catch us unaware. But like we await things that must happen for us, these are all exciting days we're looking towards, preparation for those days. Um, how prepared are we? We must talk about the day of the Lord comes, but we can't talk as if we know when it will happen. But we must be open to what the God is wanting to do through the Spirit. Mm. After Jesus was And we do witness to that. I like to take a more I like to take more poetic license um with the, the words it. where it's like the end times will be of our own doing where it's like we have ruined the planet is fire thick smoke sun will be darkened will turn it's more a cautionary tale for like when these things happen mankind will die and that will be the end times because Jesus in the gospel, which is according to John chapter 5, verses 26 to 27, and chapter 16, chapter 15, sorry, verse 26 to 27, and chapter 16, verses 4b to 15. Um, this is after the I am the vine situation, and he starts speaking about the advocate. When the advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who comes from the Father. He will testify on my behalf. So Jesus doesn't speak about him coming back. He's like, I'm going. You're not even asking where I am, where I'm going to, but you said. And then the spirit of truth will come. And when he comes, he will provide the world. He will prove the world wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin, because they do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I am going to the Father and you will see me no longer. About judgment, because the ruler of this world has been condemned. I will have many things, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of Truth comes, He will guide you into, the, into all the truth. For He will not speak on His own, but will speak whatever He hears. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. So no inkling of a second coming. It's like, I've done my work. I've taught you everything. 
you're going to be empowered to go and spread the word to everybody. And that's kind of what's going to happen for the rest of time. So do I believe that we are in the end times? I love what you said, that every day is the final day, because we do not know if we'll wake up tomorrow morning. And people are dying every day, and for them it was the final day. So we are in the final time, so we should be living according to what, like, just try and make everybody more comfortable in, in the last days, not so. <laughs> <laughs> Let me say that given that you went back into the ecological disaster that may signal the end of humanity and the world, and so this is a warning about about not destroying the world. I see the words, the great and glorious day of the Lord, when that is mentioned post an ecological disaster, as you would put it, as the day of hope and a day of restoration, which we don't know what it will look like, but the end does not come because in God there is no end. And, and and that day, the day uh, that the Lord comes, could be the day, a day expressed as an, an a day of eternity itself. Going therefore from there, which I saying um, it doesn't stop for me by the ecological disaster, but that you say Jesus propagates the work of the Holy Spirit, who will in a way continue. Um, we will continue to um, do what Jesus taught people to do and then um, enable people to um, make their, their responses. So my question would be, um, what's the consequences of teaching us all the things that we are being taught? What would be the purpose if we didn't be null and void that the spirit just does this thing and then everything ends for us? There must be an outcome to every session of teaching and formation and transformation. There must be something that flows. You, you, an output of what you've learned, of what you've been informed by. Wouldn't it be, I mean, I'm, I'm just imagining this. If I take this in my life to the next level and being informed by all that the Spirit of God is going to do based on what Jesus had done and going forward, is the Spirit of God not teaching us how better to live while we are still here, but in, but in this we improve how the world should be? Um, when God decides that, all of this will end and something new happens as he, God envisions. Uh, your favorite um, wedding song, Be Thou My Vision, O Lord of My Life. Heaven, call it that if you want to. But why would we be intellectually, holistically formed by the Spirit, uh, inspired by the Spirit, and nothing comes from there? Ethic license extended if it's not in the beauty of words and the combination of words, creative ideas of something better or of coming to the point of where we can acknowledge our grief and lament or coming to the point of where we can see how relevant the stars are to our lives and celebrate the beauty of creation. So poetic license doesn't stop with seeing what that license means through words, ideas, in the order to give people who read and listen to it hope beyond the disasters that they may have been living with now and all that they can see in front of them is disaster. Mm. So, so for me, here is an extension of hope. Would easily say, oh, so when the, the blood moons come, then it would show that we've really messed up the earth with all the eating that we've done and so on mm. and so on. Yes, we are guilty as charged. 
But being open to the working of the spirit, the spirit of truth, a spirit that testifies of Jesus, uh, a spirit that advocates for us. And I could easily say what the author to the revelation said in the vision that he saw, a new heaven and a new earth, whatever mm. that means. But hope for the future and therefore divine hope for humanity. Mm. I've been lucky enough <laughs> to grow up as part of the generation that has seen possibly the worst of the times um, from stock market crashes to like there was great depressions and world wars long before I was born but pandemics in my time it's been it's been an onslaught a non-stop onslaught of just economic ruin and all the sort of thing. And then my children grow up with the cynicisms that I've developed. And they are fed on a diet of hope that their ideas of a better future and making the earth a better place and Socially, they're a lot more switched on than I ever was. And it, it's a, it is a wonderful thing, like electrification, like moving away from fossil fuels. All of those things are coming at a rapid pace, and it's because of a generation that has known nothing else except suffering. But yeah. I ask you this, though. What do you make of the pandemic like my wife is very controversial and she's like it's god's way of thinning out the population <laughs> um and i yes. completely <laughs> reject that idea i'd rather go at it of like we've pushed too far into the world and now it's coming to bite us um but i do to one side it is a nice thought it's a terrible thought actually but it, it's nice and in a terrible way <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that makes sense, um, that it's to thin out the population. But what, what do you make of, of, of a pandemic, of this pandemic? So in other words, she's saying this is a natural form of contraception. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I Look, I, I think that that is where we struggle to find poetic license around understanding the presence of suffering mm. and where suffering leads to death. Whilst we've lived with a pandemic of a virus that, you know, is this still being argued? Was it made in the lab or was it as a result of eating um, animals we shouldn't be eating? Mm. However mm. it is, that virus is present and that it seeks a host to live. We, we have also been living with the pandemic of greed. And this kills how many people in poverty, and I won't call it a pandemic of poverty, it's the pandemic of greed mm -hmm. that creates the virus of poverty. And, and then by force, we put people into that bracket. Mm. Um, and 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 they have to live in this measurement um, called under the bread line that they're not even on the bread line. So we'll be living with these these that kind of virus, and we haven't opposed it because the same people who enforce the the greed are the ones who create laws, mm. are the ones who are the spokespersons for moral living, but they have not owned up to their greed. Mm. So, yeah, Jesus came when the pandemic of sin was rife. And he killed the virus on the cross. 
so that even though we die, he said to us, those who believe in me, though they die, yet shall they live in John's gospel. So it's possible that in a pandemic, people will die. Is it because we, we are overpopulated? We are overpopulated. That, there is no doubt about that. Mm. Those that are dying right now, those of us dying right now, will not slow down population growth. Mm. Why populations grow? And you'd find this. How else are poor people going to survive if they do not allow their seed to be planted and where children can hopefully become a future source of help to save this family from poverty? Mm. Because it's a fight against the greed, I think. But we still deal with massive loads of people just dying and where individual graves can't even be, uh, grave site services can't even be held. And in some cases, people are just thrown into a hole or thrown into a river, as I hear. In some cases, uh, bodies are being picked up out of the Gandhi's River, mm. uh, you know, daily basis. So to, to say that it is a form of, 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 of natural contraception to bring down the population. Well, then my question would be why are only certain people dying and others not? Mm. Why is whoever decides that people must die to, 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 to cull? It's a culling form, um, putting out those that are, are uh, who chooses them? Because that kind of choice, I mean, those of us that are trying to live hard and fast by the rules of pro, uh, protocols, is that our survival mechanism against the culling? If that's what this shows you, that what when people do something that is beyond their control, when we venture into avenues, we think we can master by trial and error, and then they become a disaster. And suddenly the people who are supposed to take responsibility for creating disasters, they run away and hide. They're not the ones infected. Mm. They're not the ones that are dying. It's the ones who have to survive every day. Mm. So, so how do we interpret the pandemic is a very interesting conversation. Um, when we're trying to survive, when we're trying to minister to people who are heartbroken, when we're trying to be with those who are dying, how, how do we interpret this? Do, do, is it just saying this is God's will? I think I listened to a program the other day where certain pastors in America were we're flaunting the idea that the virus cannot kill you. So don't wear your masks. Irresponsible living, you know? I mean, really, they were doing this. And, and, and I wouldn't put it past that some pastors in our country were doing the same thing, which wasn't advertised as much. So I, I, I really have, I mean, um, I, I understand what your wife was saying, but I, and I do know she's not the only one that has said it. But who chooses those that must die? Are those of us that have education and can read and can listen to the news broadcasts, follow the script of the day, the protocols, going to live while the illiterate, the stubborn-minded, the poor will just die? <sighs> it's... There, there were three interesting things that you said. Like one, calling poverty the problem kind of puts the blame on the impoverished where it really shouldn't be. That poverty is a symptom of a greater problem. You do not choose poverty. You fall into poverty because of a lack of resources, whatever they may be. Um, the other thing that was great was it's basically our genetic makeup um, to 
whenever there are times of extreme stress on a population level, um, you will get a spike in births or at least in pregnancies because under extreme stress, men are programmed to deposit their genetic code to ensure their ex continued existence, not specifically them in their bodies, but their genes will continue to exist. Um, so that that was that was very. I know you you put your own Rodney spin on it. <laughs> <laughs> the third thing about who chooses then. Um, luckily, I do not subscribe to the idea that there is a God who knows the future and everything and has laid out a path. Who will then make those kinds of decisions? So I'm pretty cool with just it being an entire lottery right now <laughs> of who <Wow>. dies. <laughs> you see, I told you, that's my, I told you way back when we started this whole thing, it's my superpower is, uh, one, I, 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 I'm agnostic, so I can play on both sides of the fence if I want to. And two, just like I've never seen my parents as a happy couple and cannot even imagine them being like that. Um, because I don't believe in some greater power having that kind of thing, like I'm, I'm completely okay with these sorts of conversations where it's like there's no such thing as someone making that choice. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's, it's very important that we maintain focus and to say that like the way we've been living, the way humans have constructed this world has been without consideration of the rest of the planet. Um, we've been very selfish and there's things we can do to share the wealth with everybody fairly. Um, that is the quickest way we're going to eliminate poverty. And the quickest way that we get rid of this virus is through vaccinations right now. Um, so yeah, everybody should be vaccinated to those preachers who are out there saying that you can't die of this vaccination. I am someone who ended up in, <laughs> in hospital, was probably a couple of hours away from death if I had not seeked out um, medical care. So there is that. And on that, I will leave you, Father. This has been a fantastic conversation. If you can extract a few brief um, reflections in the praise of the church. Just before I do that, and thanks, um, Lindsay, you said, I don't believe in a God who knows, yet you sing, Be Thou My Vision. It's a Lord. song. <laughs> Let us pray. <laughs> we have a litany of thanksgiving for the person of the Holy Spirit this week. And so we give you thanks, O oh God, that your spirit helps us in our weakness and intercedes for us. We give you thanks, O oh God, that you send forth your spirit. Then we are created and you renew the face of the ground. And that we are thankful that, that your Lord um, sent your spirit to be put within us so that we will live and that through your spirit you search our hearts for your spirit knows for you know the mind of the spirit because the spirit intercedes for the saints according to your will and so our petition is come holy spirit we need you we need you in all aspects of our lives in the universal church for those who minister by the word and the sacrament uh, for those who extend the spreading of the gospel, for those who have authority and responsibility amongst the nations, uh, to all congregations who hear your word. And we think also of your compassion needed to comfort and heal all in trouble, sorrow, need, or sickness. And uh, amidst the virus, there are so many other sicknesses we also have to consider uh, people living with and their need for healing and comfort. In our continuous praying during COVID, uh, we pray this prayer, which has um, responses. I will do the responses as well, but you will see it on the screen. Author of life, savior of the nations, COVID is humbling, your grace 
is sufficient. The deaths we mourn, for the recoveries we give thanks. The compassionate care we, we applaud, for the vaccines we are grateful. For compliance we plead, for common good we pray. In the healing name of Jesus, amen. We commend all who have died into the eternal care of God. We continue to pray, creating awareness, advocacy, and activism against gender-based violence. God of Ezekiel, to whom you reveal the valley of the dry bones, so reveal the wounded bodies, mind, psyche of all who experienced violence verbally, physically, mentally, and which caused deaths. And give us the message and inspiration to be prophetic against all kinds of ill treatment so that all people, especially the vulnerable, may have life in them and live. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Continue, Lord, to bless Africa and guard our children. Also guide our leaders and give us peace for Jesus' sake. Amen. And then in conclusion, the blessing and the sending. So my sisters and brothers, as we give you, as we give the God thanks for you to who have engaged in this podcast. We say to you now, go into the world and labor to bring forth new life. Dream dreams and pursue visions and speak of God's goodness in the words of and may the God who breathed life into creation be your delight. May Christ Jesus give hope to your dreaming. And may the Holy Spirit, your advocate and supporter, set your hearts ablaze with a passion for peace. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord in the name of Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.